the ability to shift your perspective and question what you know so that you can seek the answers that you don't know. Not just about completely opening your mind to everything that's out there. You know, you do have limits. Religion and spirituality are really good examples of this. It's not woo-woo, it's not fluffy, and it's not pretty. But it's real and it's, it's something that you can actually work towards doing. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of With a Shadow of Doubt, the podcast. I'm your host, Sarah. You might know me from Instagram as Magically Mundane, and I'll be joined by my co-host and good friend, Ethan. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about spirituality, psychology, and philosophy, and much more. So I'm excited for the conversations that are ahead of us. I'm going to get Ethan into this, and we're going to get right into our first topic. So hello, Ethan. Hello, Sarah. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Thank you for coming on to have this conversation with me. I'll try to co-host I know. This. Um, we were just talking about how we're both very much so listeners rather than talkers. So this should be interesting to listeners trying to have a conversation. All right, Sarah, what did you want to talk about today? Okay, I have some super exciting stuff to talk about with you today. So I want to talk about what being open and closed-minded actually means how our brains naturally get in the way of being open-minded and then the tension that this can actually cause for people and how you can consciously become more comfortable and empathetic towards different perspectives from your own. All right, so I wanted to cover what actually is open-mindedness to start with. From what I understand, open-mindedness is about being receptive to lots of different ideas, opposing views, and information. This could be information that you don't normally expose yourself to as well. Um, And then additionally, it can also mean that you are actually interested and actively seek out other people's perspectives. And you're actually willing to consider different perspectives that go against things that you believe. So I wanted to hear your description of what open-mindedness was as well. Yeah, for sure. That's... uh... That's a really big topic, especially in today's climate. And usually it's considered as a duality, like you are either open-minded or you're closed-minded. I can't tell you how many times people have actually flat out asked me if I'm (laughs) open-minded. So it's, it's a really interesting topic to discuss because everybody has a different opinion of what that means. And for me personally, the way that I would describe it is a willingness to accept that people do not need to agree with you or for you to be heard or agree with them, but the ability to shift your perspective and question what you know so that you can seek the answers that you don't know. That's how I view open-mindedness. You know, you don't have to change your mind to be open-minded, but you have to be willing to accept that what you know might not be right. So I really loved what you said about finding out what you don't know. And I was amused when you were talking about the duality of it and people asking you if you're open-minded because that seems like such a loaded question. Like I think a lot of people really do like to think that they're open-minded. Like it's a, it's a good quality to have as a person, but 
there's also things that we are completely closed-minded to like each and every one of us it's not something that we can completely control but it's something that we can work towards I guess improving personally yeah definitely I mean I don't think anybody has the goal of being closed-minded right you know I don't (laughs) I don't particularly relish the thought of describing (laughs) myself as rigid and uncomfortable (laughs) like an Ikea chair you know but absolutely not at the same time, I, I also don't want to be somebody who just uh, hears something and then believes right. it. Right. And that's another you know? thing, too, with open-mindedness. It's not just about completely opening your mind to everything that's out there. You know, you do have limits on what you're open to. Because open-mindedness, being open-minded leads to critical thinking and rational thinking. So it's not just being open to every single thing or perspective or belief that someone brings to you or that you find out or explore on your own. Yeah, exactly. How I think of someone who's open-minded is that they have the ability to have a conversation with someone who disagrees with them, but they're not going to judge their relationship on that person just because they have a an opposing idea or viewpoint on a particular subject, right? I think religion and spirituality are really good examples of this. And you could probably talk a lot about this because you're really involved in those communities or in the, in the spiritual community, at least. Whereas uh, I'm more of your, your average <laughs> Joe. <laughs> um, but yeah, like uh, you, you could have two people, with different religions who could be really good friends or even in some cases their spouses who are who subscribe to similar religions but different versions of that like uh i'm just going to make up an example like a catholic and a protestant so they might disagree on on their faith or the details of their faith but they still love each other right and it's i would say that that's open-minded yeah and it's definitely like spirituality religion it's such a personal thing so to go and be really harsh about somebody else's views it's like well just look at yourself like look look in the mirror like you have your beliefs in your spirituality or religion and to go and point the finger at someone and tell them that their beliefs are wrong I don't know it just doesn't make sense to me no that would be pretty close-minded don't (laughs) you think it would (laughs) and that's actually that's a really funny thing um when I was looking up this like looking up um things for this episode one of the funny things that I came across is that most closed-minded people really really do think that they're open-minded and like we can take that to the extreme like someone that's just completely closed off like because this is such a a gray area like I said people can be open to some things and closed to others But it was really amusing to me that most really, really closed-minded people will think that they're open-minded. And then when they are confronted with the fact that they are not open-minded, they are very closed-minded about it. You know, that's interesting that um, from from like a design perspective, 
that reminds me of something called the Dunning-Kruger effect, where you have people who are inexperienced, but they have the highest level of confidence. And then you have the intermediate people who have the lowest level of confidence. And then you have the experts who are just kind of in the middle. It's this overconfidence when you're starting out in something. Um, So you'll see like students who challenge teachers. They think, oh, I've read the textbook. I know the subject in and out, but they, they're, they're nowhere near, near the level of expertise that their professors have. Mm -hmm. Right. So you'll see them kind of peacock a lot and they'll, they'll push their ideas and their opinions and they'll say, no, you have, this is the way it is. And this is how things are. I'm right. You're wrong. You know, you're the, they kind of have this, um, I guess they have a higher opinion of themselves. They see themselves as higher than everybody else. And then you'll find, or at least during these Dunning-Kruger effects that when, when people start entering their field and um, growing, they, their confidence just takes a dive. And I think you and I have both experienced this as artists and creatives is you, you kind of have this, oh my God, am I, <laughs> do I even know what I'm doing mentality with your, with your work? But eventually, and I, I'm not there yet, but I'm hoping to hit it one day. You're just going to level out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we both have known some peacocks in our school days that we can think of oh yeah (laughs) but um yeah absolutely i was thinking that either you could segue with uh your own personal experience like um that was the other thing i was trying to lead into is is with the dunning-kruger effect is in the beginning of something you're very confident like you you'll read something and be like yeah i know this that makes sense this is Mm -hmm. totally it i got the answers and i don't know if you like if you have had that experience with your with your magically mundane <laughs> platform, your M M&M and M platform there, but um, or your spiritual journey where you felt very confident and then had this moment of whoa, maybe I don't know as much as oh, okay. I thought I did. Yeah. Okay, so I wanted to share a little bit of my background on kind of my experience with open mindedness and. It's always an ongoing process trying to be open-minded. There can be hurdles that we get over in terms of how closed-minded we are working towards being more open-minded. So I thought it was interesting what you said about uh, the Dunning-Kruger and then I coming into my spirituality and exploring more spiritual practices. I probably would have thought that I was a very open-minded person because I was exploring these things, these things that are, it's kind of, it's stuff that's unknown. It's very, very personal to each and every single person. And so in that regard, I think to think that we are very open-minded because we're asking questions about the life that we're living, things that, you know, we're trying to make sense of in the world and, and about ourselves. So when I came into practicing my spirituality more, I was very closed-minded. I was very, very set in my beliefs and what I thought believed to be true. And as I've gotten to know more people within the spiritual community, especially the witchy community on Instagram, the people that I've become friends with just 
having conversations online and getting to know people and to know what their beliefs are, even if it's not as in-depth as like their own understanding of them. I mean, spiritual practices are so personal. There's things that they share that they are open to sharing. So you can kind of get an idea of where their beliefs lie. And coming to understand other people's very personal beliefs about their spirituality and like that been a very good challenge for becoming more open-minded, realizing that going to a conversation, wanting to ask questions and wanting to understand people more, you actually get way more value out of that conversation than going in as if it's a confrontation of your beliefs versus theirs. Because this podcast is very much so based in religion and spirituality, I think it's so important that we do work on being open-minded. That's exactly why this first episode is about open-mindedness. And there are challenges with that, and we're going to talk about them. So I think we're going to get into that next. Ethan, I'm curious, when you think of what comes to mind getting in the way, what do you think of? I mean, drawing from personal experience from myself and the interactions that I've had, I think a lot of it has to do with um, people feeling attacked when somebody has a different opinion than them. Like as soon as someone has a different idea, it somehow translates to, you know, you're wrong. Your ideas are wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. That's, that's how people interpret it, right? Uh, and I don't think that they're conscious of the way that they're interpreting or reacting to an opposing idea. And in so, you know, going back to open-mindedness, they are closed-minded. People just reacting very negatively when they're presented with others' perspectives has anything to do with how much people think that their beliefs or feel that their beliefs are very much so attached to their personal identity? Well, absolutely. Yeah, I think that uh, as soon as somebody hears a different idea, they think right. they're being That's personally That's actually attacked. something that I think about a lot. And I try not to fault people too much when I have gone into conversations and they're very much so very reactive about different ideas um, because I think I think like you said some people just are not as conscious to it as others yeah exactly and they're pretty pretty set in their ways when it comes to their ideologies and their beliefs and uh, it's very hard for them to engage in a conversation right. with somebody who doesn't okay, agree with that. So that's really good to lead us into the next stuff that we're going to talk about because we want to talk about really what things can get in the way, how our brains just naturally kind of shut down when we're presented with different perspectives from other people. So, yeah. So the next thing I wanted to talk about is yeah. confirmation bias. And confirmation bias is one of the things that naturally gets in the way and it's just part of us as people something that goes on in our brains when 
we have to process new information. So I thought I would start too with know what confirmation is, but bias. I want to focus on the word bias first. So a bias is a prejudice or inclination against or in favor of one person, a group, an idea, or a subject. So that matters when we talk about what confirmation bias is. If you want to experience firsthand confirmation bias, you just watch the History Channel late at night. Basically, the show is, um, mm-hmm. you've probably seen the guy with the hair, the meme. They they go all around the world. They look at old sculptures and um, like artwork and stuff, and they point at it. And old artwork and sculptures are, are pretty, oh, pretty open to interpretation of what they could be. <laughs> you know, like you see like these old Easter Island heads and they're like, yeah, they represent giants or how how do they move them? And But everything always oh. ends up like aliens. Aliens built everything, you know. <laughs> so, see this pyramid built by aliens. Oh, you see this uh, hieroglyph? Looks like a spaceship. Aliens. Like, that's probably the best example a of great, um, a great example confirmation, of confirmation bias. bias. I, uh, that's- People will often hear something that aligns with what they want to believe. And then it, it only reinforces their, their ideas on, on that particular subject, right? Their beliefs. It, it confirms yeah, absolutely. their ideas, and like, it's their speculations, It's a natural their tendency beliefs. for people to go out and look for, interpret, and be entirely favorable to stuff that supports what they already believe. I very much am am an avid reader of folklore and fairy tales and mythologies. So whenever I even hear something that might remotely support the evidence of like vampires and werewolves and and spells and knights fighting dragons and mystical creatures, whenever I hear something like that, just I want I want it oh, to be, be real. So cool. How do people's confirmation bias lead them to be more closed-minded? So because people seek out information that only already affirms what they believe, they're like further digging themselves a hole in their beliefs by just shoveling more dirt on top of stuff that's confirming it. So, and that can actually come from what how people use devices nowadays too which is really interesting and i have an example to give for that so when you're looking up information do you already plug your question with a confirmation of what you're looking for so for example by asking something say like why do red apples taste better instead of going which type of apple tastes the best And then being able to weigh what answers you get from that rather than being like, okay, I know they taste better. They're the best apple that's out there. Tell me why. I want more information about why they're the best. Red Delicious. It's in the name. My example, um, I had written down (laughs) those questions before I actually Googled them. 
because I wanted to see what comes up in case anybody Googles this after. But funny enough, I, I Googled, why do red apples taste better? And there's a, just so many articles just absolutely hating on the taste of red apples. They've been called a crime, a joyless snack, and that they don't even deserve to be depicted in clip art. People are pretty set in, uh, oh, wow. in the taste of red delicious apples. Um, but now I feel like I actually have to go out and buy a red delicious just to see if it's true. So I, I don't want to uh, to confirm or deny yet. But uh, I guess now I actually have to go pick up a red delicious apple. Because they, much anything, what do they argue is better? Well, pretty much I mean, anything else. But uh, Granny I Smith? don't know. It's something having to do with the way that the apples are grown. Apparently that they just lack. I think it's a lot of sugar. Don't quote me on that. But they lack something or they're grown in such a way that they're kind of like the mass produced apple. So they're kind of shit. Yeah. And to pick out the information that you favor, whatever support. It's like when you're going into a debate and you could be given you can give the same information to both sides. They're going to take the pieces that they need. Yeah, actually, that, to, that was to, exactly um, one of the things their argument. I wanted so, to mention, and you beat me to it. But yeah, people actually process information in a different way, even though they're, they could be given the exact same information. That's, that's really cool. Thanks, Brains. Yeah. That one's, <laughs> Confirmation that one's bias. Done. In the can. Nailed it. Oh, we now know what confirmation bias is and, and how it affects people. So what happens when they're confronted with information that goes against their beliefs or opposes their idea? Okay. Cognitive dissonance is, is an interesting subject. I, I know a little bit about it. Um, I've read a little bit. Uh, and it's, it kinda, it's a good segue from talking about confirmation bias because it's the question of what do people do when they're confronted with conflicting information or opposing ideas, right? So the way that I understand cognitive dissonance is it's a, it's a conflict or a contradiction that causes psychological stress in a, in a person. So when, you're, when your ideas are met with conflict or you have a contradiction, it's said that people will usually react in uh, in a few ways to try to resolve that conflict or contradiction. So what they'll usually do is they'll either reject the idea, they'll avoid the idea, or they'll create an excuse for it. And this was, I think it was proposed by a guy named Leon Fastinger. And it was around the 1950s, I think, he wrote about cognitive dissonance and i think he also brought the idea of social comparison so comparing yourself to other people but um with with cognitive dissonance people will often have to resolve that conflict that they have where their ideas are opposed or somebody disagrees with them might know i'm uh, lactose intolerant but i love cheese I love cheese. I love putting cream in my coffee. I love buttering my toast. 
Um, but yeah, it does not agree with my body. So this is obviously a conflict. I love something that's bad for me. And in order to resolve this, I need to make a choice. Uh, I could accept that I should just not have dairy products ever <laughs> give them up for the rest of my life, leave a cold and meaningless life, or uh, I can reject the idea that's bad for me and continue to eat it. I can avoid making a decision about it or I can come up with lots of excuses about how dairy products are more beneficial for me than they are bad. Right. <laughs> I mean, good source of calcium, good source of protein. Oh, they really do. But, and that's such, that's you know, such a fair point. All the best there foods is, come with cheese. There is so many good things that you can get from dairy products. And then on the other hand, there's a lot of disagreement you can come across about drinking dairy products or consuming them, I guess. But that's a very good example of cognitive dissonance. Mm -hmm. I think a good example, a good way to tie it into open and closed mindedness is, is, uh, you know, it, it's a reaction to a disagreement. So, I mean, if you're, if you're trying to relate it to your uh, spiritual community, it's, it's the idea of like of somebody Imagine telling somebody who's not part of the community why you perform some of the rituals that you do or um, practices like tarot readings. They they might have a contradiction. It might contradict with something that they believe or it might cause a conflict in in their own psyche for whatever reason. And so they'll just flat out reject the idea that there's some mystical force that they can't control or something that they can't perceive that's influencing their lives. You know, like if it's not something that they can uh, touch, taste, smell, or feel, or hear, then it can't be real. So if they can't see it, then it, it, it conflicts with such a good way of with their it. idea of what's real and what's not. I think flat earthers would be a, a good example documentary on Netflix and you watch it. It's you can, you'll, you'll almost <laughs> absolutely find yourself having that moment of like, maybe, maybe, you know, <laughs> because they, they present the information so well, but other times where it's just like, there's no way. And at the very end, like, or throughout the documentary, they're kind of showing bits and pieces of this one guy who's doing an experiment to prove that it's it's not uh, round, <laughs> basically. So he's what he's doing is he's setting up a target at a specific distance pretty far away, and then he's going to shine a super powerful laser in a straight line, and then it will hit the target, and it will they'll be able to measure the curvature of, of the Earth. And the whole point of the experiment was to prove that it's not round, it's flat, it's it's not the it's it's not the circumference that that scientists claim it is. And at the very end, um, his experiment. Uh, oh. I mean, I don't want to say it failed, but it did not succeed in his favor. Uh, so the yeah, so it was way above where where it should have been on the target, like the guy. <laughs> He's like, I can't see the light. And he goes, oh, okay, uh, try raising the board. So the guy lifts 
the target way above its head and then they see the light oh and no the look on this guy's face oh and there's like, a whole documentary about he's just it. crushed <laughs> oh goodness so well, that's interesting though it's a probably an interesting um yeah journey through that with but, that mindset or that i guess that belief yeah the earth is not but i guess in that instance like however he so that would be an example a tipping point for his cognitive dissonance of well okay so he has this new evidence that conflicts with his belief that the earth is flat so what how is he going to react is he going to reject the experiment is he going to find another reason why why it's still flat but it's kind of curved um is he going to avoid it altogether? Is he just not going to talk about it? And or is he going to come up with an excuse? another great example from you. So we've spoken a lot about open-mindedness and kind of the issues that arise when people are having a hard time seeing eye to eye. But I want to get into closed-mindedness a bit more. So when we talk about closed-mindedness, it's really only being willing to consider your own perspective and you're not receptive to other people's ideas views and any information that is contradictory to your own so i want to look at some examples of (laughs) closed-mindedness compared to open-mindedness kind of how different people if they're closed-minded or open-minded they're open-minded respond and react in a situation so i get into a couple examples of how this plays out So one of the things that closed-minded people have a hard time with is that they often do not want their ideas to be challenged. So they're often very, very frustrated when someone else doesn't immediately agree with them or is open to something that they believe or an idea or something that they're saying. Whereas open-minded people are much more curious And they actually might be really wondering why there's a disagreement in the first place and approach the conversation and the situation with a curiosity. They want to know more. They want to improve their perspective in this situation rather than completely shutting down. So do you have anything to add to that? Oh boy, I do. I think that it's, it's very difficult to differentiate between being closed-minded and open-minded if you haven't done a lot of introspective thought on the subject you know it's it's something that you don't realize you're doing it's it i think it's subconscious really Uh, it's you you have an idea of the way that the world works or at least you have an idea of the way you think the world should work um and it's a very idealistic view usually you know you want the best things for everyone um at least that's i I like to think that people want want the best thing and what that can do to you is it can close you off to ideas that that might be perceived as long or out there or ideas that uh might be hard to understand and if if you're willing to open your mind to discussions, you, it doesn't mean that you have to agree with it, but it could lead you into into 
directions that you you wouldn't have otherwise gone i mean if you're just stuck in in one place within one idea so i like what you said about believing that people are well-intentioned and that they want the best for other people that they care about because i think sometimes it can be hard to find common ground with people that maybe have a different idea of how the world should get to that destination of whatever the issue is and you might have completely differing beliefs from that person but there's often what I find underlying emotions that you can find common ground on and I think that's really interesting so to continue on from that another thing that closed-minded people do is they often focus more on being understood than understanding others so this also leads them to actually repeating something that they say in a conversation because they believe that you are disagreeing with them simply because you haven't understood their point and so they have to reiterate what they've said so that you'll understand and you'll change your perspective to theirs so this kind of makes things difficult if you're in a conversation with somebody that's closed-minded because the whole entire time that you're speaking, they're usually thinking of the next argument that they're going to make while you're speaking rather than actively listening to you, not just rehearsing their prejudices and their beliefs back on you. So one of the things that I've actually read about in regards to this is to actively listen and try to show your understanding of what someone has said is that if you were asked to, would you be able, to the best of your ability, to say back to them and express their perspective? Not to say word for word back to them what they've said, more so to reflect on were you listening? How well were you listening? We're all susceptible to it. I don't think you, I don't think you're at ever able to get to a point where you're immune to it, where you're, where you're open-minded, not closed-minded. Think that you're always going to have, have those instances where, where you're affected by your own biases, by your cognitive dissonance and, and things like that. Um, but I think it's coming, like understanding it. So understanding when you're experiencing those things, when when you're subconsciously opposing an idea or a view, and stopping yourself and and going, oh, may, you know, maybe I could learn something from this perspective, or maybe there's. You said consciously noticing when you might be getting like really rigid about in a conversation, something that comes up, and being like okay, this is a time for me to be curious and be introspective about why that is causing such tension for you personally. So the next one I want to talk about is that closed-minded people are more likely to make statements rather than ask questions and be curious about other people's perspectives. So this can also get into the area of assuming there's going to be an immediate confrontation because you think you understand someone else's views in their entirety. So an example that I can give is that 
open-minded people are willing to accept that they're wrong and they're actually curious about why they could be wrong. They're willing to go into that conversation and look at what they believe and possibly shift that based on the conversation that they have. So they'll ask clarifying questions with the idea that they'll learn something from a conversation. Wondering if you have anything to add to that. Yeah. um, No, I think that's a really good point. Uh, One thing that I'm, I'm very adamant about with myself is uh, I'm very attached to the, the idea of practicing introspection uh, to take conversations and experiences that I have with other people or places or events and being able to take that and sit with it and reflect on it and think about how did it make me feel? Did I learn anything from it? Um, Maybe it was a situation where I reacted poorly or maybe it was a situation where somebody else reacted poorly. And I, I try to think about, is there something that could have been done differently or why did I react that way? Or why did the person in that situation react that way? Um, and I think being able to really in conversations or discussions or even arguments is, is something that you need to practice so that you can take that with you uh, later and reflect on it. Cause Often I find that when we're in that situation, in, in the situation of an argument or a disagreement, you, you're, I, I don't know, personally, like I find a lot of times you can get caught off guard and you don't know how to respond to a particular question or accusation or, you know, something like that. And it's easy to revert to a defensive position. Um, but if you can stop yourself from doing that and you can ask questions instead, you know, I find that that will work better in your favor in the end. Big thing with like spiritual people is like expanding their consciousness. And like, that's kind of what like trying to be more open minded does because you're, you're becoming more in tune with, like you said, like that introspection, like being curious and then using that to like personally improve yourself, you're becoming more conscious of that thing, that way that you're behaving, responding, etc. And it like it's not woo-woo, it's not fluffy, and it's not pretty, but it's real and it's it's something that you can actually work towards doing. So the next thing I want to talk about is how when you're in an open-minded state you can hold two opposed ideas in mind at the same time. So you're willing to balance these things and consider them and not have one just completely take over the other and try to overpower the other. You can take in the thoughts of others and also balance your own thoughts. So I want to make the point too that when people can hold in healthy tension, two opposed ideas. It's not to say that they're they're like lukewarm, they're neutral, they're easily swayed because they consider everyone's perspectives. Like, it's not that they can't make up their mind. It's 
actually that they can, like I said, hold in healthy tension opposing ideas. And by looking at both of those perspectives, they can actually come to a more balanced understanding because they have those opposing um, ideas. And that actually leads to strengthening critical and rational thinking, which is really cool. It's a really healthy approach topics, conversations, ideas, if you can hold more than one opinion. Um, And something that comes to mind is, you know, we've kind of been talking about this as, you know, a benefit for you um, as someone who's trying to practice open-mindedness and how you can benefit from it. But it, you know, everyone benefits from it because in the same respect, you might have an opposing idea or an experience that the other person doesn't and when that you can lend to them and that might help expand their point or expand their view or their perspective. So it's kind of a, a symbiotic relationship, I guess. So the next one I get into is that when you're in an open-minded state, you often take the time to actually encourage others to speak more so than focusing on your need to speak. So you often prompt others to speak so that you can learn from them and then strengthen whatever you're going to say in response or to add to the conversation. Whereas on the other hand, you would just completely shut down. You would want to be the one speaking that you're opinions or whatever you want to say is more important than what others have to say. So I actually, I have an example from when you and I were in in college together in one of our classes. We had all the same classes, um, but we would often be paired off into groups. And before we had the chance to, in our later years, to choose our groups, we would have to work with a lot of different students and everybody brought to the table their own ideas about how the project should go. And a lot of people were more vocal than others. And I always liked trying to like lead groups, like be a leader of the group, be very organized about where the project was going. But I was also really interested in our group discussions. And so I would always be trying to like prompt people that I knew were really quiet and would not be the first ones to speak up, especially if somebody else was really, really vocal about what they wanted to do with the project. I would always try to get quieter people to speak up and share their ideas with the group to make sure that they were heard. Yeah. My takeaway from that uh, example was that what you're saying is, when somebody's in a closed state of mind, they're only interested in being heard. And this can be quite problematic for people who are not confident in uh, speaking, like uh, expressing their point of view or their opinion. And they'll often just um, default to accepting this other action that the project is taken in because they can't, they don't have the confidence to express their alternate opinion or they don't feel like they can express themselves. So what you're saying is that uh, what you can do as an open-minded 
person is recognize this behavior and try to advocate for them or mediate for them. Maybe by creating a conduit for this person to speak before they're shut down. And that in turn could lead to um, being them being able to share their ideas with the group, which will have an ultimate result of yes, being more Yes, absolutely. That, uh, that perfectly sums up what I was saying. So Ethan, I'm curious to hear what your takeaways from this conversation are. Much polarization in the world. And I think a lot of it is to do with um, close, being in a closed state of mind. So what, what can we do to be proactive in that situation? It, it's to practice open-mindedness. And what is open-mindedness? It's being willing to participate in conversations that don't align with your own beliefs, but where you can work together to come to um, a more productive outcome. Mm -hmm. So I've really enjoyed the conversation about uh, open mind and closed mind states. And uh, I just, I just want to ask you what, uh, what's, what is your final takeaway from a conversation? I've really enjoyed it today. And I was most interested in doing this as the first episode of the podcast because I think it's really going to lead into everything else that we are going to talk about that I'm excited to talk with you about and share with other people, just our thoughts and our perspectives. So I think being open-minded going forward into everything else that we cover is definitely going to be a necessity because we're going to come up against some stuff that it's probably going to be difficult at first to consider for some people, depending on what kind of state of mind they're at. Um, and I also really wanted to talk about open-mindedness because of the polarization that I'm seeing in the world when it comes to conversations between people and they have a really difficult time agreeing to disagree and being okay with that. And it was something that you mentioned way earlier in the podcast is that, you know, we can come away from a conversation and disagree and still be friends. And I think that that's something that is happening a lot right now where people are coming away thinking that they need to absolutely abandon people because of their beliefs. And I'm not really cool with it. I really think that it needs to be something that people need to become more curious about and understand why they react and become better at responding. So my main takeaway is basically just that I hope that people become curious about the way that they respond to others and question why they might react in the way that they do when they have conversations with people and things go against what they believe. So with curiosity is definitely needed. And so I would encourage other people that even though it's an ongoing process, there's no final destination for open-mindedness. And there's always going to be things that you come up against that are very emotionally charged issues that are controversial, that, that you're going to come into with very strong emotions 
and you're going to have to figure out a way to balance both perspectives and like I said hold in healthy tension those things and hopefully allow them to contribute to your view of the world and your view of that person that's my takeaway I liked what you said about um being able to have a conversation or a disagreement yeah. with someone and still walk away friends. I, and how a lot of people are quick to abandon people in their life just because they have a disagreement or they don't have the same beliefs. And obviously there's extreme examples of that where it's necessary, but um, at the same time, it's like, you know, those people don't have the opportunity to change their mind. That's, that's what I'm seeing lately is, is there, it's very quick. It's a very quick decision. And um, yeah, it, I yeah, don't think and it's I'm healthy. I'm going to riff off of what you said too, because I just thought of something else, but it also like this very much. So can spiral into a whole nother conversation about echo chambers very quickly um but i also think it's so important to be able to have conversations and not completely just shut somebody down because that will push them farther and farther into a space where people do believe everything that they say and they're very very impacted by confirmation bias so it scares me to think that if we aren't willing to have conversations and hold perspectives in balance and strengthen our own thoughts on something with curiosity, that people are going to be pushed to more extreme spaces. Who's still listening and made it this far. Thanks for sticking around and, and listening to us. And I don't know if there's a comment section in where Eminem is posting this, yeah, but definitely. Uh, let us know what um, you think. I think on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a review. I'm not sure how it works for any others, but that's the one that I do know. Um, other than that, I mean, if you message me and tell me this was cool or this wasn't, then I'll be open to having a conversation with you. I also thought it would be cool to share a little resource that I put together for myself a little while ago. And it's a list of journal prompts that you can find in the podcast episode description. And I find that it's a really good exercise to go through sometimes if you find that you're coming up against something that is difficult to maybe consider or open your mind to. So definitely check it out if you're interested in doing a little bit of introspection.